holy shit, we're back. We said we wouldn't leave you, and then we did. Well, to be fair, we have been practicing social distancing, and if there's one thing that you can't do in podcasting, it's communicate with each other from far distances. So we were kind of, we had our hands tied. There was nothing we could do about it. (laughs) Really? How are you supposed to podcast if you're not in the same damn room? Answer that, scientist. I don't know. I have no idea. You know, we've been at this for three years now, and uh, we still never figured out how to do this remotely until today. No, for a while there, we were using um, some cans on a string, but then a dog chewed up the string, and it was like, well, there goes that idea. Yeah. We could always um, clack some coconut husks together, too. I think that might travel the distance well. What do we look like fucking Gilligan and the Skipper? Get out of here. <laughs> I was thinking more Holy Grail, but okay. Well, that was that was the, the horses. We're not horses. I mean, I have seen you, and you're kind of hung like one, but. And you're, you're, you're quite the stallion yourself, Fat Mac. I got a mane. Fat Mac, who didn't die yesterday. Thank God. Yeah, it was, a, <laughs> it was exciting yesterday at my house. <laughs> Let's just say I'm glad I'm not a smoker. Holy yeah. crapper. <sighs> Good stuff. Wild stuff going on for everybody. It's not us. It's everybody. It's I, I feel like it's worse for most people than it is, at least for me specifically. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure about you all over there, but my life really hasn't changed at all. Like, literally at all. The only difference is now every store I go to has a giant plexiglass um, sheet in front of it, and I'm like... <laughs> okay. The people. Yeah, it's like okay, That's whatever. Navigation at its finest. Nobody's gonna touch that plexiglass. Then you see people walking around with gloves on, and they're like, you know, rubbing their faces and eating potato chips with their gloves on. And I'm like, I don't think you understand the point of gloves. I don't think. <laughs> I don't think. But um, you're supposed but it, to it, slowly roll the condom down over the head. <laughs> It's been uh, it's been scary for some. It's been fun for others. I'm on the fun. I've been having fun with it. It's a thing. Uh, it, it only exists for me. Like in my life, it literally only exists on the internet. Other, like I said, the the plexiglass things at every store. Yeah. Otherwise, nothing has changed for well, me. That's the good thing about you and me, because other than our daily lives, we we basically exist inside of our homes where we pay for, and and that's why we have them, right? Well, yeah, I've just, I guess I've been out, I go outside every single day. I get up, go to work, I work a full day, I work overtime, I come home, I take my dogs for a walk, I go. I will say I've been taking my visit, dogs for you know, more walks since the, since the corona pandemic. Happened. I go to the store, I, I had to go to the store two days ago, I had to go to the Walmart, cause, just because I'm running low on hand soap. I didn't even think. Well, I, I didn't go to the store for that. I was getting multiple things, but I had to get a hand soap. Not even thinking that everybody's crazy. <laughs> I go there, and there's, like, two things of soap there. Well, there's, like, five that are – I guess there's a new thing called foam soap, but you literally have to have a specific pump for it. Otherwise, yeah. it just shoots water out. Yep, yep. First of all, why? Why the hell was that ever invented? Oh, my gosh. So they can Second rip you of off all, more. Exactly. And second of all, it's like I literally just wanted my soap. It's, yeah, fun stuff. But other than that kind of stuff, my life has not changed. Soap out of lye and fat. I'm as uh, I'm as busy as ever, working nonstop. The kids doing his stuff. Uh, yeah, the whole you know. distance learning thing has been an interesting curve for us. 
especially having two children in different grades. And the teachers don't seem to be doing their part very much. Distance learning is a joke. They need to just call the school year done, everybody passes, and then start next school year like in July. Just start right. it a month and a half early or something. And, yeah. Wow, that's not hard. That's not difficult. I wouldn't even argue it if you, you know, the, the top half of the class goes through and the, the lower half of the class stays <laughs> back another year. Right, because it's going to be everybody that deals with that. It's not yeah. like it's one kid that got left behind. It's just like everybody's going to be like, yeah, get it. Hmm. And then everything I read is a lot of the older kids are just refusing to do it in general. So that defeats the purpose of it in the first place. Yeah. Uh, but this is not Beef Sticks homeschooling podcast. Oh, no. This is Beef Sticks pro wrestling podcast. Oh, and with yes. any Beef Sticks Pro Wrestling Podcast, Pacey, I got to let everybody know what I'm a s s s sipping on. Yeah! And of course, I love, uh, I love it too. I picked up a, a, a little gem on some of my travels lately. For those of you who may not know, I've actually been traveling an awful lot. Oh, you can't leave. Fuck that. I've been traveling all over the place and I love it. <laughs> no traps. No traps. Yeah, no traffic. If, if it has Get the hotels it, all to itself. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> awesome. But I picked up this one from Odell Brewing Company. This is from Fort Collins, Colorado. And it's called I'm not sure I know how to pronounce this, but it's Whitkist. Whitkist. I think it's Whitkist White is what it is. And it's a grapefruit white ale. I know I'm not big on the fruities or nothing, but I thought I'd the can. The can looks just beautiful. It has a little uh, grapefruit that looks like a lily pad in a in a pond full of lilies, and it's it's like um it's like hand painted sort of thing with a koi fish on it. It's not like realistic. It's like painted and looks gorgeous. And it says Wickfist Wick Wickkist grapefruit white ale is a modern take on a Belgium style white ale with bright aromas of citrus from pureed grapefruit and a delicate spice from dried orange peel. And coriander. So does it kind of IPA with the citrus then? It is a type of IPA. It's okay. complex yet delicate with a clean, refreshing finish. Mm. Whitkist brings an unexpected twist on tradition. And I'm going to take the uh, first drink right now because I haven't had it before. Spits it out all over his desk. No, it, it actually it tastes a lot. It really tastes like if you had a... Um, Almost an extra pale ale, and then you just uh, twisted a bit of grapefruit in there. Yeah, that's and where it, I was thinking the, the the grapefruit would really pull it in that direction. It does, and it's got maybe, either because I read it and I know, or maybe legitimately there's kind of a hint of, like uh, like they said, like a spice from the orange peel coriander after I swallow, mm-hmm. but that could also just be psychosomatic. I don't know. Yeah. It's good. It's good. Very good. I, I would like this on a night like today. It was a gorgeous day. If I'd have drank this during the day, it would have been perfect. Yep. Gorgeous day just in time for that fresh Easter snow tomorrow. Woohoo. Woo. That's Minnesota, baby. It's ridiculous is what it is. <sighs> Nobody's going anywhere anyways. Who cares? <laughs> oh. So we got a pretty hit-and-run show for you guys this week. Coming in off the top, it's it's kind of light-heavy, but we got it for you. Let's hit them with some uh, This Week in Pro Wrestling History. 
Well, Pasty, since we've been off for a while, I know you scoured the internets and found a This Week in Pro History that was not only legitimately today, April 11th, but actually a really huge milestone, perhaps one of the biggest milestones we've had on this show for This Week in Pro Wrestling History, and we've had some doozies. But this one was April 11th, 1963, in Washington, D.C., when the first ever WWWF, yes, I didn't add an extra W by mistake, President Willie Gilsenberg presented Buddy Rogers as the WWWF World Heavyweight Championship as the champion, sorry, making him the promotion's first official champion. Though the official story was that he won it in a tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, sounds kind of familiar, doesn't that, Pasty? Yeah. Wasn't that also how uh, Pat Patterson allegedly won the very first <laughs> Intercontinental title? Indeed it is. Yeah, very, very a lot of happenings for the uh, Wrestling Federation happening over in Brazil. Yeah, they, you know WWF, WWE still takes their annual trips to Brazil. Oh, they're, they're big time. It's a huge big time. But the reality of this, Pasty, comes after Vince McMahon Sr. and Joseph Tootsmont defected from the National Wrestling Alliance after Luthez defeated Buddy Rogers for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship two months earlier in Toronto, Canada. I like that Vince McMahon Sr. surrounded himself with a guy named Mount Toots and Vince McMahon Jr. as Canyon Seaman, Seaman Canyon. You got to You think that they're, the body they're probably related and, and, and geography. <laughs> <Something's Right. there. laughs> there, there's something going on here. Is it the same guy? <laughs> oh my gosh. He's like the watcher from the Marvel comics. <laughs> he just, he's going to be in every iteration of WWF, WWF, WWE, whatever it is. Um, Sweat but actually will be the next one. So after Thez took the title from Rogers up in Canada, you see, many promoters felt that Rogers favored the Northeastern promoters over other territories. And promoters actually confronted Rogers on this. And as story goes, they legitimately uh, surrounded him, jumped him, and broke his left hand. Wow. Rogers would then sustain and thus the a first ever lumber match was invented. <laughs> exactly. Rogers would then sustain another injury in Montreal, allegedly by accident, but probably not, when he wrestled Killer Kowalski, and that ended up keeping Rogers on the sidelines for quite a while. But upon his return, the NWA actually voted to switch the title back over to Luthez, who had publicly disgraced, discouraged, and made it known that he disliked Rogers. Now on the flip side, Vincent Old Toots, as Pasty calls him, felt that Thez was not a strong draw in their territory. Therefore, the WWWF Championship was created and was given to Buddy Rogers. Now, Rogers would lose the title just 22 days later to Bruno Sammartino. In only 48 seconds, Sammartino would go on to hold the title for over seven and a half years, the longest in any W-W-W-W-F-F-F-E-E-E-E-E-F-W history. Yes. Ah, Bruno's one of the good ones. He's, uh, he's got a, man, I, I tell you what, if anybody hasn't watched it and has the WWE Network or doesn't have it, find it wherever you can. Watch the um, documentary on Bruno Sammartino and his life. 
holy crap, that guy's got a story to tell. From literally almost dying of starvation in Germany and coming to America on a boat weighing like 50 pounds to becoming the giant, jacked, huge, amazing standard bear champion that we still refer to today. Mm. It's, a, it's a good it's a good watch. I recommend it. But Pacey, uh, well, we're moving to something that was is it an a good interesting watch. watch. It's an interesting watch. <laughs> let's just go into it saying it's an. Let's go into it saying we knew going into it it was going to be an interesting watch. Yeah, I personally haven't watched any of the No Arena wrestling. That's that's from WWF, AEW, anybody, because. I personally don't think you can have pro wrestling without um, an audience. It it just without it does it, certain liberties to augment the product. Yeah, you can't have an actual traditional pro wrestling match without an audience. It just doesn't work. And um, I think we'll. So so this was this this just slapped me in the face. I didn't know what to expect, but I know what happened, Pasty. Yeah, it definitely happened, and it happened over two nights. Last weekend, and uh, yeah, that's and we and we have to. Uh, I don't know if we pointed this out before because it's been so long since we've been gone, and I just recently found out WrestleMania was two nights. So I don't think we've talked about it. Obviously, taking a book from uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, right? Oh yeah, Am I yeah. Right this, with this that? is something. This is something we've kind of been anticipating WWE to do for years. We just hope they wouldn't do it, and this probably yeah. was the best reason to do it because I could not have watched all this in one night. But without getting into detail, because we're going to go over everything, they easily could have cut out half of it and fit yeah. it all in oh, one yeah. night, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. A okay. lot of these didn't even deserve to be on Raw, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Main event? All right. Is that show still going on? Oh. I, don't, I don't know if any show is going on anymore. Other than MLW, <laughs> folks, it's still kicking. Yeah. Watch MLW Fusion. Woo. Every Sunday it drops on um, YouTube at 7 Central Time. So that would be uh, 8 p.m. Eastern as most people go by. MLW Fusion. They still have – and they still have an audience. Holy shit. Imagine that. (laughs) What have we got going on here? I was thinking to myself, too, do you think NWA still gets away with having their audience? I mean, it's a small crowd, right? (laughs) They could do the six-foot rule in their their arena. They easily could. Easily. That's. I want to see Vince like try to you know separate fans six feet apart from each other in an arena and still make it look full. It'd be fun. Right. Uh, uh, before we get into all of the matches, I do want to just touch on a couple things. First of all, I I tried to grade grade these on a curve because nobody in the wrestling business has ever gone through this. So I, I didn't expect everybody to have a five-star match. Yeah. Not saying, not saying we didn't see any, <laughs> um, just saying I didn't expect it. Also, I think that it was kind of lazy having the same open on both shows. The Stephanie McMahon copy paste yep, open. Yep. And the same, like, uh, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean intro, where he's talking yeah. about all disjointed and like interrupting himself. And, oh, no, and that's you know, not good enough. But... And it was kind of. It, I think it would have been fun had they been in Tampa and had the pirate thing. But I, I really think they should have called an audible. I'm sure they spent 
I'm sure they spent millions of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands, on that open. I mean, it was not oh, a yeah. cheap production. Yeah. But I just I wish they would have saved it for like a DVD extra or a, or a network exclusive thing later on. It it seemed really off, but I'm gonna give a praise right off the bat. This was the only America the Beautiful I loved watching. This was yes. just amazing and hit me in the feels. Even though 90% of them I didn't like, when you edited them all together. Yeah, it's more powerful. And no white people. <laughs> we were fans of that also, yes. <laughs> I I didn't notice that. Was that is that legit? Yeah, yeah, that's legit. It was all African American. Wow, I did not like, notice like that. The, the legends of the industry. I, I liked it a lot. Um, but yeah, I I did too. I thought that was super creative. I think they easily could have got somebody to go out there and just sing. Yeah, but it's cool Make that Steph they do it. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but it's cool they took chicken shit and made chicken salad out of that one situation. Yeah. Like, that was uh, – this is my favorite. This one I'll go back and rewatch. Uh-huh. I skip all the other ones, including, like, when they're live. I just – this is when I'm, you know, getting my food ready and getting beers and stuff. Right. and yeah. And getting the bet sheets going. Nah, I never pay attention to the them. Table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this one was, like – Lines of blow. I, I I was skipping it, but then I rewound it when I found out what it was, and I was like, I really – so thumbs up. Right off the bat, they got a thumbs down and a thumbs up. So there you go. WWE is doing better than they should. I'll say that. And so let's get into the show it, with a song from the weekend. Boo. <laughs> I remember the when fight music was fight music. I just that's, – that's all I got to say to that. Like, Jesus Christ. The weekend's hit or miss. I don't dislike the weekend. He's got I don't some know. Good music. I don't know what the open to the to the show was. I don't remember um, the song. It's it's one of the new ones that I don't. Because know. I, I legitimately skipped from America the Beautiful to start this match. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I did a lot of skipping to start this match. So whatever happened in between, I really can't comment on, folks. I apologize. Pasty, did uh, we we kind of jumped it? Did you watch the pre-show? Yeah, you know it's WrestleMania. I tune in. Like, I didn't watch the entire thing, but I did see Cesaro take on Drew Gulak and defeat him, which uh, leads me to have the question, if you're never going to legitimately do anything with Cesaro, why do his only wins need to be against legitimate upcoming talent? That's, it's kind of backwards in my brain. Like, we've already established Cesaro as a mid-carder, and it ain't going to change. Yeah. But, uh... I mean, this was Cesaro versus Drew Gulak. It was as good as you could have anticipated for being under five minutes. Um, Cesaro did an airplane spin, and Drew Gulak lost, and it, it was good. They both played their own roles, you know. Cesaro's the, the big, tough guy, and Drew Gulak is the technical prowess wrestler. Right. Walking in Daniel Bryan's shadow to absorb his energy. So, you know... We have the uh, – first of all, I'll, I'll state this, and then I'll answer my own question, or maybe I won't. Um, so you have these two, Cesaro, Drew Gulak. These two, you give them 15 minutes and let them make their own match, oh. and you got a four-and-a-half-star match right. easily, right? Yeah, and this, this is a two-hour pre-show we're talking about. Why did you give them under five minutes? Yeah, so you give them four-and-a-half. <laughs> you tell them to go out there. You tell them it doesn't matter. Nobody's watching. The next thing I, I, I wanted to say about before we we started, and I forgot, but this reminded me. 
Can we just admit right now with everything going on and with the no stadiums and nobody watching live there and just with, with all the shit going on, can, do we both agree that probably 90 to 95% of the people watching are only wrestling fans? I see. That's where I'm kind of hard pressed because there was a lot of um, uh, other uh, uh, sources that I, I listened to and watched throughout the week, uh, weeks leading up to WrestleMania of people who I'd never heard talk about wrestling before saying they were interested to see how WrestleMania was going to turn out this year with no f- crowd. So really, well, I don't know how that pans out. I guess not. I guess you could also say you're interested, interested to see how it turns out without legitimately wanting to watch it. Yeah. Just being like, well, it'd be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. I just can't imagine. I know that WrestleMania is usually when you get, you want to pander to most of the, uh, the the average Joes, your yes. your non hardcore fans, but I I just felt I guess I thought this year you wouldn't, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe you still got those people that wouldn't normally watch WWE tuning in. So I feel like WWE had a strong them. chance of having the most views for a WrestleMania in a long time, just because everybody is stuck at home. But yeah, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent certain. Uh, so we go into the first match of the night, Pasty. We had the Women's Tag Championship, which seen Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeat the Kabuki Warriors. Um, 15 minutes, 5 seconds. They got plenty of time. I'd say for a women's tag match, that's that's about that's pretty generous for yeah. normally, right? Yeah. But the only thing I noticed in this match is I just I love Oscar and Kyrie saying yelling in Japanese all the time. Oh, they were shit talking like, and cussing. Yeah, you know it's they so were. Good. It's so good. I love how they roll their R's. It's or Asuka in general. Kyrie doesn't do it so much, but Asuka's rolling is awesome. Um this match didn't do much for me though. No. Um I mean it was this match was was not gonna work for anybody. It's the opening match on a WrestleMania that has no card and nobody knows what to do. Uh-huh. And none of, and none of the viewers know what to expect, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it, it would – but I, I think a big problem they had – and I agree with you. I loved how you could really hear the shit talking, and I think Asuka and Kyrie did a great job of this. But this match had had a same continuous blemish that, that we've seen over and over this night and next night is where they kept playing to a non... I felt they kept playing to a non-existent mm. audience. And it really made for awkward moments. And yeah. it really took me out. I think Bliss kind of, after a while, to me, stood out as the one that was like, oh, shit, I'm going to 100% perform in the ring and to the camera, not the audience. But they they kept the energy up. They They did do that. I don't think it was enough for me. No, I, I would have liked it better had the Kabuki Warriors walked away with their championships. I didn't see any point in them losing them right now. And to Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross, I mean, they haven't broke up yet. Come on, what are you doing? Well, I did put in my notes the reason why I feel that happened. And I think if you, if you sit back and think for a second, it's obvious. Um, They had the uh, the good white girls beat the evil infected aliens that are Asians, you know, that that gave us uh, yeah. this virus. They you know what I mean? For the president. Yep. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not even just the president. Mean, everybody's just out here talking about how I seen a post from a uh, an acquaintance of all of ours that said something about 
I started coughing, and some Asian woman looked at, gave me a dirty look, and I'm like, bitch, you started it. I'm like, whoa. Whoa. And it's like, yeah, everybody's out here just hating on the I, – I honestly feel they did that for that reason. I think that it went back to the old 70s, 80s, where these evil Asians – who uh, Pearl Harbored us with then this? Why didn't they do the green mist? They should have did the green mist at that point, right? <laughs> like spit the virus in their face. Uh, <laughs> just took a swag out of a bottle that said COVID nineteen. I honestly throw some like salt at them. <laughs> yeah, the, the end of the match to me just stood out as the you know the good white girls beating the evil Asians. So, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm surprised that didn't that never crossed my mind for a second. Uh, but now I see it and I can't unsee it. Just like yeah. the next match where Elias defeated King Corbin. I don't even remember this match. It ended in I, disqualification, didn't it? I skipped this match. hundred uh, percent skipped it. <laughs> didn't even try to watch it. So I got nothing to say on it. Sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. hundred percent uh, skipped yeah. it. It was a lot of ringside stuff and I wasn't paying too much attention. Yeah, n- neither was anybody else. <laughs> I can tell you what, no one in the audience. Then we had the Raw Women's Championship match, seeing Becky Lynch retain her title against the challenger, Shayna Baszler. And this is a match I'm kind of sad to say I tuned out on because I knew the win was going to go to Baszler, and then it didn't go to Baszler, and I'm like, shit, I probably should have watched that. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I mean, there's I didn't, there's no reason Baszler didn't win. Yeah. And it's yeah. kind of dumb she didn't win. I'm just going to be honest. Yeah. Uh, just the beginning of disappointing women's matches for WrestleMania. But uh, I think I think we'll leave that, that at that. Uh, I don't know. Did you have anything you wanted to say about this match other than Shayna should probably go back to NXT? Uh, what, I, I do want to say one thing is I really think that Baszler and Becky made they they really made it look like a competitive bout. Like it'd be so yeah. easy to have Shayna look like the dominant one, or to have Becky or to make Shayna just lay down like a bitch and have the established Becky runner over. They they did really do a good job of of making it competitive, but the wrong person won. I don't I don't know how you can justify that at all. The only way I could see it justified is if this goes into a series where Shayna picks it up next time, you know? Right, but even then it makes her look It's not gonna right be as good back. as well, it's yeah. not gonna be as good as WrestleMania. It's WrestleFuckingMania. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's the shittiest WrestleMania. <laughs> but it's WrestleMania. Is it the worst WrestleMania though? Um It depends on what yeah, I would say hundred <laughs> percent. If you go by if you go by crowd reaction <laughs> 100% this was the worst ever. I mean, that's just, that's uh, that's science. Yeah, yeah. Just going to say it. Uh. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I don't know that it was the worst ever. There's been some pretty bad ones. No, I'm going to say it's not the worst what ever because like, what I didn't like, and I'm sure we've curve. seen it. We've seen it already in this pay-per-view probably two or three times. All these matches were pre-taped. And they edited, editing. but they did oh, not do a editing. good job editing anything. No, they it was. I oh got a few. I've got ones I, I didn't write down. Um, especially there was a um, a balcony drop, and I don't remember. <laughs> oh, I think it was Seth and, and yeah, when we'll Kevin Owens came off the thing. Yeah, yeah, I didn't write it down, but they they edited it like it was a fucking four story <laughs> drop, and it was like 
three feet. Yep. Or like they do something oh. where somebody does a move and then they're in a completely different area of the ring and turn the other direction. Yeah. I mean, we're going to get into that more. There's, <laughs> there's one match that it was super noticeable. And I ain't talking about the Firefly Funhouse, folks, which the editing was pretty noticeable there, but in a great way. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get into some more uh, of that yes. as we go. Um, but yes, I'm glad you brought that up. The, the editing, I like the fact. I like them doing pre-recorded stuff because editing is your best friend in pro wrestling, but I think they've, they do edited shows. So that's not an excuse either. I was going to say they've been doing lives for so long that they, they did it wrong. They just did some really bad editing. I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Kevin Dunn under the bus for this one. Especially when they had been recording for like three weeks prior to WrestleMania. You have plenty of time to edit that and make it look good. Yeah. It's, the ed- they didn't have any excuse for the editing. Uh, I agree with you. They they went to Fiverr for the editing, I think. Uh. Probably. So then we had the Intercontinental Championship, seeing Sami Zayn defeating Daniel Bryan to retain his newly found gold. Uh, this match was it was interesting to me because this harkened back to me to heel Daniel Bryan versus Brock Lesnar where Daniel Bryan skirted around the ring and danced around, tried to get into Brock Lesnar's head. But Zayn did the same thing to Bryan in this match. And it wasn't the best match, but I love the psychology Sami Zayn plays. I would agree 100%. Actually, my very <laughs> the very first line of my notes is the heel work from Zayn and his goons was great. Yeah. And for me, never seeing the two together, though, honestly, I thought Brian and Gulak were very fun and were a fluid combination. Yeah, yep. I'm, I'm actually I'm looking forward to that because, you know, rumors has that Daniel Bryan's time with WWE is probably coming to an end sooner rather than later. Oh, for sure. But, because um, I wouldn't be a Fat Mac, I guess, without being negative on some shit. I just like I like to I like to give my opinion, but honestly, this the match was way too bogged down by too many personalities involved. I think yeah. if I could have seen a Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan one on one wrestling clinic for ten minutes, nine and a half minutes, I you know look at look at some of the matches Bryan had with Punk. Look at some of the matches Zayn or look at the match that uh, Zayn had with Nakamura when he first came into NXT. Look at what both of them have done on the indies. They could have pulled away with, uh, again, a four, uh, 4.5 or 5-star match. But you added all the extra people in there, and to, and a lot of it probably is I'm not following the storyline. So I kind of got the story, but I wasn't invested. So maybe yeah. that took me out of it. I will admit that. Nonetheless, if you just give me Sammy and Brian straight up front, I would have loved that over anything else. I, I agree fully. I, I think um, the, the the people at ringside did kind of take away from the match, but at the same point, they kind of added to it just for where this story is supposed to be. Um, but I I look forward to seeing them in a one-on-one match where nobody can interfere. Yeah, yeah, and I can understand that. They're, they're a lot of fun. I feel like they should be higher up on a card at some point, hopefully when there's a crowd. I'd love to see them higher up on the card, but I don't know if that'll happen in WWE. No, probably not. 
as long as Daniel Bryan can raise up Drew Gulak with the rest of his career and kind of instill that into him, that's that that'd be a good thing. I would agree. Um, then we came to a match that uh, has so many positives, but has a giant, giant splotch on it. And I just <laughs> recently found I just recently found out that the giant splotch was due to um, just uh, mishaps, poor timing, and um, stuff you couldn't control. So I, I actually altered my grade on this match a bit. So we had the three way ladder match. This was for the SmackDown. Were you as mad when they announced this as I was? Cause it well, just right away it rubbed me wrong. I guess if you if you're talking about what I'm just about to say here, um, then yes, and that is that we had a three way ladder match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships, where we had a solo John Morrison defeat a solo Jimmy Uso and a solo Kofi Kingston. Is that what pissed you off? Or yeah, we yeah. Having... How how you're gonna have a three way oh, match for okay. tag team championships? And there ain't no tag teams in the match. And it's yes, all the that's super who fucked this up for showing up to work sick. That's that's <laughs> what I heard, and and after I heard that, I I did change this because I I took a lot of points away for having this match yeah. without having tag teams, and I had to change my grade, especially since not only is it not anybody's fault, including the writers, the or the agents, or WWE, that there was a tag match with no tag teams. But all three of these guys, from what I heard, Miz, that happened the day of. Yeah, yep. So these guys had less than, easily less than 24 hours, I had to say less than 12 hours, to come up with a ladder match on the fly. We want the same spots, but you got to cut the match in half. And a fucking good ladder match. Like, a very good ladder match. Well, if you like this match, you're going to want to tune in next Friday on SmackDown when the Miz... Faces Jay Uso and Big E in another ladder match for the tag team championship. Somehow <laughs> I, hope you're I don't think Morrison I hope you're joking. Is, no, it Are you real. joking or it is that real? Oh, come it's on. very real. And somehow That's I'm, I'm thinking Morrison and Miz don't walk away tag team championships champions with the Miz. In the match. See, now that's something you can control. So yeah. don't, don't, oh my God. <laughs> I should change the grade back right now. Today. Over stupidity. <laughs> Fuck you guys. God damn it. I'm not going to because it's not these guys' fault, but that is the agents and Vince McMahon's and the writers' fault. I put that solely on, not the agents so much. The agents get credit for this, but they don't get, they don't Quit get hurt. Blaming okay. the Asians. <laughs> Let's do you want to talk about the match? Um, it was entertaining and interesting and the ending was amazing. I this is WrestleMania now is like one day away. No, it's a week old now. <laughs> and, and and I don't retain things that well. No. Uh, I did put on here these three guys. I, I put on here we've seen so many ladder matches and everybody's done everything, but I, I felt like they found some unique spots or at least yeah. ways to keep my attention. And I I added in my notes, <laughs> unlike uh, Orton and Edge on night two, <clears throat> which could have come up with it. Uh, but anyways, um, Morrison, I thought, really stood out. And I don't, I think for, for sure, highlight reels for, dec- for a decade or more to come are going to include the tightrope walk into a Spanish fly, yeah. which was just fucking fantastic. Yeah. Oh, my God, I loved it. A little awkward, um, but 
oh my gosh, that, if that's the worst you got to say about it, I couldn't do a Spanish fly or walk the tightrope or even probably climb the turnbuckle. So holy shit. <laughs> one thing, oh my gosh, I don't even have this in my notes and I just remembered. Um, there was one <laughs> there was one point where they put the ladder in between the top and middle turnbuckle in the corner, just kind of laid it flat like a table or something. Mm. And then he had John Morrison. I think he just jumped and did a splash or he might have done a flip or something. He did something, some kind of move off the, the top turnbuckle onto one of the other guys. I think it was an Uso. Anyways, the, the commentators who, uh, the commentators were all awful all night. I just want to say that. Yeah. They said, and folks, that's why we call it parkour, because he uses any part of the ring and any part of the ladder to do anything. Dude, that's not parkour. Jumping <laughs> off of a top rope onto a ladder is not what parkour is. Parkour nothing translates to, parkour. to free running. <laughs> yeah, nothing to do with parkour. Now, if he would have said it when he was running the tightrope and doing right. the Spanish fly, I would have bought it. No, he did it for jumping. Oh, that's not that's not what it is. Um, but I, I, I do want to note that this match really stood out to me as being severely hurt by no audience. A ladder match with nobody to like ooh ah with all of these things. I felt it, but I still at points I feel the three distracted me enough that it didn't ruin at all the experience for me. Until and pasty, this is my first note of it, but you talked about it earlier, the edit. There's a spot when Uso was pushed off of the ladder and onto the floor, and it was framed and edited so much to where I'm 95%. There was a crash pad there that he landed on, and that's okay. I don't mind it, but it looked really obvious the way they shot it. Yeah, the way he, like, leapt for it and, like... Yeah, yeah, it just... It it came off as, again, too too edited, too staged, which... You could tell he wanted to hit that mat right in the middle. Again, I don't mind it because, again, I don't even think I'd jump onto the crash pad, let alone do it at all, so... I give him credit for it, but if you have the chance to edit it, let's edit it better. Let's, let's set it up better. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All in all, though, I think we could probably go out of our way and say this is the best quote-unquote traditional match of the first night. Um, I guess whatever <laughs> I don't know. You what you call it a traditional I mean, match. yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like I don't think you can call it a traditional match. It's a three-way ladder match. It's it's Four still a very gimmicky. It's, it's still a fucking very gimmicky match. So I don't even think I don't think you can call it that, buddy. So um, no, but but it, it was it was a match I enjoyed. Yeah. Can I say that? Yeah, can I, I think say so. it was a match I enjoyed. Yep. Okay. It was good. Ugh. It was it was solid. This was at this point of the night. I was like, "Hey, maybe they're gonna turn shit around." You know, this this was m- minus the shitty editing. Yeah, this was really well done, and I was very surprised they were able to pull off this match with half the people. Last minute changes, like holy shit! Just so much holy shit. Yeah, so much could have gone wrong that the little bit that did is like, wow, that's it. Mm. Thank then God it we... was the Miz who got sick and not Morrison, though. Oh, oh could you imagine? <laughs> um, like you can still salvage the match, salvage the match as long as you have Morrison. That's racist. <laughs> <laughs> savage. 
Next up, we had a no DQ, cream of the crop, Kevin well, it Owens. Didn't start out as a no DQ. It started out as a normal match. It did. It, which is it's just dumb. It's, it's dumb. Which again took a really good. Okay, so we had Kevin Owens uh, versus Seth Rollins. There's a story in here somewhere. I don't know it. Again, I just skipped to the beginning like of the match. The better part of the year, and everybody's sick of it. Okay. And these two are two of the two of the best on their on their roster. Yep. Actually, actually, I, I have in my notes right here. Still, Owens and Rollins are two of the best on the roster and had a solid match. They legitimately did. I really liked it. Um, this was another one. The editing kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, and um, I have in my notes the pacing was really off. But again, I think that may have been from over editing. I don't know. It seemed jumbled. Yeah. You you could assume that when they recorded it, you know, Rollins and Owens know how to put on a match. They know how to do that. So it would have been real solid without the editing. Right. But then you factor in the editing and cutting things so they look like ass, and yeah, it makes the two of them look like fucking idiots. Um, so the match started off pretty normal. Rollins didn't want it from Owens. Owens wanted to kill Rollins. Rollins eventually got outside the ring, hit Owens in the face with the ring bell, calling for the disqualification. In which Kevin Owens begged Seth Rollins to come back and do this the right way because this is WrestleMania and it can't end like this. And Seth Rollins did not protest. (laughs) What? Yeah. And we don't know why. (laughs) You willingly come back for an ODQ match? Like, uh, I don't know. To me, it didn't make sense. I guess I haven't been watching a lot lately to, to... follow things through but the heel shouldn't come back you know owen should have had to go after him and and shouldn't there be some kind of authority figure to put the stipulation on the match like any wrestler oh you pinned me well can we do this again but this time with submissions (laughs) yeah that 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 isn't uh it's not a good look (laughs) not especially not for the heel this match like though, is said. where I realized how well they set up the arena with all of the WrestleMania goods, the the stage props and everything that they would have had all over the place. This is where I really started to notice, holy shit, they did a good idea of compacting all of that into this one small space and making it look really good. And then Kevin Owens jumped off of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is for the greatest wrestler of all time, Shane McMahon. He didn't say it, but he should have. It would have been funny. That that actually, that would have just bumped it up a notch. I tell you what, I would have loved hearing that. Really? I, I would have loved that. Uh, but. Uh, and then the it, editing. It's... The editing was shitty. But when Kevin Owens came off that fucking prop and, and did the backdrop through the table and barely hit Rollins, wouldn't you shoot that a couple more times? Yeah, yeah, why not? Why wouldn't you? There's no reason you can't reshoot that. Yeah, yeah. The only thing is that it didn't look like there was much of an airbag underneath the table. Like you saw him go through the table and it. But still, you can flat. you can set it up again. Yeah, Come on. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't only... like it was that high up. What, ten feet? Not not as high as a ladder. Not as yeah. Oh no, not at all. Yeah, the only thing I have in my notes that you really didn't touch on, Pasty, is that uh, and and you, actually you kind of did. I just I put it into to 
wrestling or mark terms, a dusty finish doesn't belong at WrestleMania. It cheapens the match. Yeah. And if anybody's listening and doesn't know what a dusty finish is, this is a dusty finish. It got named for Dusty Rhodes, who, when he was booking the NWA territories, leaned on this finish way too many times where the match ends. But then for whatever uh, shenanigans you want to call it, a McGuffin in movie terms, if you know what a McGuffin is, they restart the match and and it changes the ending. Yeah. A dusty finish is just dumb. For, for WrestleMania, it can be used correctly. I don't want to see it in my WrestleMania, honestly. Yeah, no, no. Superstars should not be able to f- form and forge matches in WrestleMania. Like no. Be solid and it, it, it bothers me when it happens on Raw. It pisses me off when it happens at WrestleMania. Yep. All in all, this was not a horrible match. The editing was really bad, and that, that fake finish in the middle was pretty stupid. But uh, solid between two very solid competitors. A lot of shit talking, and I like that. These two... I also I do have one little note. I think this these two veterans were actually hurt by not having an audience, because both of yeah. these guys are so good at feeding off of the audience mm-hmm. That at times they almost seemed bored to me, like they were just like they were just going through the motions. Yeah, and that could have been from the bad editing. That could have been just because it takes me out of it, or it could have been that they both are just like, eh, we've had WrestleManias before, and nobody's cheering us on, and we're getting paid the same either way. Fuck it. And I, I feel like that might have happened. Well, I mean, when there's not, you know, 80 million seat or 80,000 seats filled with fans, your paycheck is less, so you're going to perform less. But Yeah, uh, yeah, you're not getting that bonus. Yeah. Yeah, it is what it is. Um this match was by far better than the next one though. Holy fuck, did Braun Strowman and Goldberg ruin the show? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm just going to say it right here. 3 spears Three power slams and a running power slam. That was the match. Spot for spot. That's exactly what it was. I, I Either I miscounted or you miscounted. I had four and four, but either way, we're splitting hairs here. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> Two minutes, ten seconds, worthless fucking match. I, Why did Goldberg have the championship in the beginning? I did grade this a D plus, so I'm not saying I like the match. What I am saying is for building Bra- – or for trying to at least – salvage Braun Strowman's character. I do love this match. I do love that it was quick. I do love he came back from the Spears. I do love that he destroyed Goldberg. And if we're talking, if if they end up building this into a huge thing, turning Braun Strowman into a superstar, I'm behind it. But the match itself, yeah, sucked. There was he, Braun didn't even do a running shoulder tackle, and that's like the only other movie he has. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's the only other movie it is. So Vince is cutting that from his repertoire, and now it's just power slams, which are the lamest move in wrestling. One of them, I don't like them. Definitely one of the, uh, definitely one of the lamest yeah. for sure. Yeah. But it happened, and if it if it builds Braun, which we've been shitting on them for burying Braun, it's like okay. I mean, I I can see where they're going, and Goldberg's a good person to. Goldberg's a great person to show, like, hey, if you can take out Goldberg, wow. Because even though we all know Goldberg sucks at wrestling, he's a powerhouse, he's a money guy, he's he's big, he's big time. Yeah. Beating Goldberg is huge on paper. I we do can't, have to nobody say, can though, deny that. If it would have been Roman versus Goldberg, this match would have been a lot better. 
because just the spear versus spear factor would have been fun. I, hey, uh, you know, thank you for bringing that up because I was uh, <laughs> going into WrestleMania. The only match I knew about was Roman versus Goldberg, which I, I didn't know beforehand ended up getting canceled. But that was literally the only match I knew was happening. Yeah. So I went into WrestleMania blind. Which That's is the thing too. kind of fun. In, the, in that promo package that they did at the beginning of both nights, it was still Roman Reigns. Like, yeah. They didn't do anything to change it. They didn't advertise Roman wasn't going to be fighting Goldberg. They they didn't. And um, actually, uh, another thing they didn't mention, which I want to give them props for, not once did they mention COVID-19, even though it was obvious that there's no fans or nothing and so many things changed. I think it's so cool that they let us have an escape from everything that they never mentioned it. Yeah. It was obvious. It was glaring. It was in our face. And I get that, but they made the choice to not be like due to COVID. There's no due to COVID. This change due to the circumstances due to what's going on due to, you know, they just, no, they never once did that. They not only would that date it for they, any replays, yeah, you know, if you, yeah. but also, this is an escape for people, and mm-hmm. I like that they let us have that escape. Whether that's what they were thinking of or not, they let us have it, and I thank you for that, WWE. Mm-hmm. I will say the prior Monday on Raw, John Cena came out and he cut a promo against The Fiend, but it was the same as talking to Americans about the coronavirus and how we need to stand strong in these unknown times. Uh, so so they kind so, of shoehorned it in yeah, on us? It was, it was, I liked it, though. It was real tasteful how they did it. And and just the the play of the fiend is the virus, the virus is the fiend, and it just it, it it worked. But they didn't bring that back at Mania, and yeah, that was a tip of the hat for me as well. Now I will say this main event, this uh this last match, Boneyard. I was not feeling it at the end of night one, and I probably didn't like it until after I saw the Firefly Funhouse match, and I was like, well, those are the two best things I've seen in a little while. Pasty, am I the only person that when they announced this before it started, um, just heard in my head, do you want to ride the bone train? <laughs> because I legit did. <laughs> so, how are they going to get to the boneyard? Ride the bone train. <laughs> I just, that was stuck in my head. It is great. I loved it. It is great. Uh, this uh, cinematic masterpiece was yes. well put together. Kind of hokey and cheesy at points. Yes. But it told a, good a way. solid story. The Undertaker knows he's old, but he still ain't going to back down from any man, let alone three men and 12 druids. <laughs> <laughs> 12 druids? Oh, you were counting. No, there was probably less than that. I was, uh, <laughs> I was expanding the legend beyond We like that. Yes. A wise man once said, never <laughs> let the facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> No, this was, uh, you know, I, I, they said Boneyard match. I'm like, it's going to be in a graveyard, and it was kind of in a graveyard. Early on, they showed the, the hole in the ground with the fucking, with the tombstone, and the tombstone had vines covering it, and I said, those are going to move by the end of this match. <laughs> There's going to be a name there. And and what do you know? They did, and there was. But, uh, no, this was, um, it was like the apex of an action flick, and I liked it a lot. Especially like this, this was very redeeming for the Undertaker for everything he's gone through in the last. Oh, years. <laughs> perfect! Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I agree. I think not having commentary was the right call because I could not imagine having Michael Cole and JBL <laughs> fucking hooting and hollering over this. Would have killed the fucking thing. Um, they had a great soundtrack to it. We had some Metallica in yes. there that they I noticed. They edited that and, out uh, the day later. Any other time they showed that, it was generic rock music. Oh, really? <laughs> I suppose they, they paid for one, for one okay. shot. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, but obviously, I mean, it, we got to say it. It's the elephant in the room. WWE took a lot of inspiration from the Ultimate Deletion yes. um, Impact series. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing because it seems like not only did they take from that, but they learned from that awful House of Horrors, yep. which I literally, when I was writing my notes, had to look up what that was called because all I could think of was the R, the Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt shit show. They were playing I, with dogs. Actually, I actually Googled Randy Orton, Bray Wyatt shit show, and it came up with House of Horrors. <laughs> I loved that. That was awesome. But, <laughs> but they made something special, something unique, yeah. something fun. Uh, everything from the presentation to the way they were fighting to the, the scripted dialogue, which was obviously scripted, but it was different and it was good and it was fun. Uh-huh. It was hokey at times, like you said, yes, but that's not a bad thing, especially in pro wrestling. Yeah. When the hearse pulled in in the beginning and the two druids got out and pulled out the casket and it was AJ Styles, I knew it was AJ Styles because only two druids got out of the car. Undertaker right. needs a lot more than that. But uh, that was good. It was a good one. He said something like, who are you expecting? Or something like that. I don't remember what he said, but it was it was hokey, but it was a great way to like yeah. let you know what you're getting into. Yeah, This is the best possible outcome for The Undertaker at this point in his career. WWE did a fucking awesome job putting this together in a way that made him look better than he has looked in years. And I put this and in my notes. he was the American badass, Fat Mac. Well, just wait. <laughs> Let me finish my notes before I get into criticizing what I love. Uh, I put in my notes, and he should never wrestle again. This is the way Undertaker should go out. He sucks live in the ring at this point in his career, and it's not a knock to him at all. Well, I mean, he's if they, old. He's, he's wrestled so long. If they long. continue to do this kind of thing with Undertaker, he can have some more time. That's going to get old quick also, though. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I agree with you if it was all pre-taped stuff. Yeah, and still only have him on maybe once every year, a couple of years even. But oh, I would be okay with years, that. Then. It's going to be a lot of time with Taker, you know what I mean? I would so. be okay with once a year doing something like this, for <laughs> yeah. sure. But yes, I again, we have to mention the elephant in the room, and you brought it up. If you're going to have a quote-unquote boneyard match, you can't have it without the dead man. They're un- badass Undertaker who's supposed to be at a Sturgis rally or driving down the highways or in a seedy bar playing pool, really stood out as not belonging in this story. And with AJ not being like a Bray Wyatt or a boogeyman or a Mankind kind of character, I felt that the two didn't belong. And especially once you threw in the... uh, the OC, as they're called. Mm. Nobody, to me, nobody fit the situation. It's not like the boiler room brawl with Undertaker and Mankind or or the House of Horrors match that at least fit Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton was sadistic. It's like, I don't know why a biker and a... I don't know what AJ's gimmick is, but Soccer it's nothing... Mom. It's, <laughs> it's nothing graveyard-related. To me, that, that took me out of it. Like, the characters were out of place in this movie. And the only reason he was the American like badass is so they could call each other Mark and Alan. 
Yeah, they yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. They did a lot of uh, they did a lot of expose. They were talking about Michelle, and apparently this feud's about Michelle McCool using him for his money or cheating on him or something. That's what that's what AJ said to get in Undertaker's head to make this. Motion. Okay. So yeah, he's like, say my name, and he's like, where's Michelle? And yeah, Mark and Alan, and I, I liked that. I did yeah. dig that. I liked that they did that. It made Please it seem. Please don't bury me. Please don't bury me, Undertaker. <laughs> I love that. That's just it, it, it tickled my spine in the perfect way. Like, I seen I, I seen somebody write something about they made AJ look like such a bitch. And I was like, wait a second, dude. If somebody was dragging you to a grave to bury you alive, are you gonna try to act like a tough guy? But or are just, you gonna try to not get fucking buried alive, you dumbass? He did what you would do, like what a normal human, not a dead man, would yeah. do. It's yeah. like, I loved it. And asking not to be buried like a human, and asking not to be buried like a wrestler. And it just, that, <laughs> that, that made me um, I did like a, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to blow your, uh, blow your load that you He should have jumped over the grave and been like, ha I got over. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> but like you said, the, afterwards when, uh, when Undertaker buried AJ and, and dumped Three. One load of dirt <laughs> yeah. on him, and all yeah. of a sudden it was full, which is okay. It wasn't whatever. full. There was still a hole there, and like I said, when they panned back and the hand was sticking out, like it was, it was just. Oh, like that was so awful. That was. Well, no, I maybe I got to go back and rewatch it, but to me, he dumped one load, and all of a sudden it was like level with the ground, oh, and I was like, wait yeah, no, a no. second. That's what it looked like to I, me. I so rewound because I, I, I was like, did they? Because I expected that. I definitely and, um, did. And I didn't like the hand sticking out of it. I know it was uh, reminiscent of the Buried Alive match. Turtles 2. It takes that, me back to uh, Turtles 2. Okay, Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it took me back to the original Buried Alive match with Undertaker, where at the end he shoved his glove mm. up. But again, the Undertaker's supposed to be like a dead man walking or a zombie. Yeah. It doesn't work with AJ. Well, AJ didn't mean? shove his hand through the dirt either. It was just there. Like he was oh, dead. shut up! <laughs> he wasn't raising his hand, and then it just went around his hand. Yep. He shoved his hand up through the dirt. <laughs> that's what—that's the story they're telling, which to me just doesn't work. But I will say, like you said, they had the vines over the grave, and they pushed it away, and it was AJ Styles all along. Written it wasn't Undertaker's. Black Sharpie. It wasn't Undertaker's grave. But to me, again, I was like, oh shit, that reminded me of. When, again, the, the first Buried Alive with yeah. Mankind and Undertaker. And they did those vignettes when Paul Bear and Mankind were in the graveyard. And they were talking over the grave. And they're talking about how Undertaker's going to be put in here. And it's going to end his career. And then Mankind slips and falls into the grave. And he looks around and he just looks at, at Paul Bear and he's like, Uncle Paul, this grave isn't big enough for the Undertaker. And you can just kind of see he realizes, oh, shit, this is my grave. This isn't not like, oh, shit, I'm going in here. Yeah. And so I liked that. I don't know if they legitimately called back to it or not, but it gave me the feels with that. I liked it. It worked. And I really liked the very end when Undertaker got back on his fucking motorcycle and raised his hand and the fucking pyro goes out. Flames came symbol, out. And, taker yep. symbol pulls up on the barn. and this, the, the laser taker symbol. Oh, I loved that. Yeah, that, that was, was the best part. That was the best Great. part. Uh, and, and it was a cinematic ending. It's something you would see end a blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. Hands I down, was, the best match of the night. I that it was, uh, that it was bad, American Badass Undertaker and they didn't bring back the Limp Bizkit song. 
Or even the Kid Rock song. Like, you you had to go no, to fucking could... Metallica, the sellout <laughs> bastards that nobody likes anymore. Like They could only afford Metallica for one night. You think they're going <laughs> to chip in for all these guys for one Fred night? Fred Durst would beg them to use Roland again. I'll pay you. <laughs> you know? That is true, but let's be honest. The people watching it, like, the, the kids nowadays probably have no idea no. any Limp Biscuit songs, but they know Metallica. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> My kids don't know no fucking Metallica. Oh, that's a shame. Um, But all in all, yeah, I, I think, can we agree, best match of the night? Yeah, if you can call it a match. We're ca- I mean, we're calling every segment, I guess, here a match. Yeah. Not a, again, not a there traditional match. There were a few traditional matches. There was, there was uh, not not so much wrestling, but actual fighting. Yeah, just punching. Lots. Of, under, that's another thing I liked. Is Undertaker didn't have to do anything major. He just got to punch a lot and drag people. And yep. Yeah, it was good. So for the first night, Pacey, I I ranked it a C plus. That was what it got for me. That's what it's getting. I um, I debated. I was gonna bump it up more, and then I was like, God, do I bring it down? It's like, with all the stuff going on, I don't know. It probably deserves better because the wrestlers were in a shit. Everybody was in a shit predicament. Nobody's ever had to yeah. deal with this before, ever, ever, ever. <sighs> but that was how much I enjoyed it. I enjoyed well, it a C plus. If you're gonna go a C plus, I think I'm gonna go a C minus because I by far like the second night better. Um. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I think a C grade is still more than it deserves, but I I don't know because I was feeling kind of negative about the whole thing for for the most part. At the end of night one, I said I wasn't watching night two until night two started. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> if they didn't do the Firefly Funhouse, I probably wouldn't have tuned in. That's right. what I wanted to watch it for, and I knew that that was going to be situated right towards the end, if not at the end. So, uh, let's let's get right into it, Pasty. Night two, we had the same uh, the same cold open. Nothing special, nothing to be unique. Mm-hmm. No reason to make you feel like you should have watched it so far. Liv Morgan defeated Natalia on the pre-show, which I did tune out on the second night because I watched it the first night, and I'm not going to watch two pre-shows in one weekend. No, I didn't watch it. I have no idea what happened. Other than Liv Morgan won. Yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know why or how. You I, don't care. No, not, not at all. But we opened it up with another women's match, and uh, we had the NXT Women's Championship. It's kind of cool to see the NXT Women's Championship defended on WrestleMania. I marked out for that a little bit. Yeah. But we've seen Charlotte Flair, an established WWE main carter, defeat Rhea Ripley by submission on the last. Made her tap out like a bitch on Charlotte's knee. She didn't even tap the mat. She tapped her knee. I was like, the ref can't even call that a tap out, right? Because usually you're allowed to, like, you know, hit, what, two times? I don't know. Uh, No, people tap out on them. The tap out first started, legitimately, the tap out started with, um, Taz, as far as I think I know of, with the Taz mission, and he put you in a way that you couldn't, you were choked out, so you couldn't give up, and people would tap his arm, and oh. yeah, people have tapped body parts, I think, a lot of times. Yeah, but she, she looked like a bitch. I'm not gonna lie. She did. She did. And uh, to me, that overshadowed the whole rest of the match. I think Charlotte was was winning most of the time, and 
She was. Me, it, and, it, it was a callback to the first night when when fucking Becky Lynch made a bitch out of Shayna Baszler. Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't know what the whole thing is. And I I believe didn't Rhea Ripley didn't she uh, break Shayna Shayna Baszler's undefeated streak? Yeah, yeah. Rhea's the one who took out Baszler. Yeah, took so the you have, ta- ta- championship from her and everything. Yeah, so you have badass Baszler, and then she gets beat by Becky Lynch. Then you have the woman who beat her badass Baszler's undefeated streak, and she gets beat by Charlotte. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is Charlotte doing going to NXT? We don't need her in NXT. We don't want her in NXT. Apparently they need star power to take on AEW. That's that's <sighs> what I had heard. <sighs> I don't know why nope, they're worried like, about it. Right, I was going right. to say, not like they're fucking losing to them or nothing. <laughs> Fuck. Well, NXT, NXT hasn't hasn't beat them in the ratings at all in 2020. Well, I know, but AEW hasn't come close to SmackDown or Raw either. Right. So it's like, yeah. what are they worried about? Yeah. Hello. And it's not like they're, I mean, they're always close. It's always within a little bit of a grasp. It's like, I don't know. I think it's stupid. They have no reason to worry about AEW for their C-tier show. That's no. dumb. And so are you going to put Andrade back on NXT too? Or are you splitting the couple up now? Like They've been real good about care. trying to keep couples together. I don't know. It's, it's, it's just, to me, it's... Dude, Ed, the worst part is this is actually a, a good match. Yeah. Um, One of the better flair matches I've seen for a long time. Yeah, the aggression was definitely there. So it's it wasn't a horrible match. But again, the, the outcome was wrong. And I think this one... Started the show off on, on a sour note. Same I don't think this was a good way to start it. I didn't pay attention to the next match. I kind of paid attention to the one after that. I actually did pay attention to the next. I'm the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Complete. So, I'll, so I'll talk about this match. You talk about the next match. All right. I watched uh, Aleister Black versus Bobby Lashley because I, the two are, are both amazing talents and could be the future of this industry if somebody gave him a chance. Hey, fun fact. Bobby Lashley came down with COVID, beat it just days before they recorded this match. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, with that being said, this was a typical TV match. Um, <laughs> I would hope Aleister Black would have done more and had more to WrestleMania. I, he did score the pinfall or win at WrestleMania, and I hoped for that, but this was... Very unspectacular. I gave it a C plus. I, I was not two guys that could have done great things. Both phoned it in again. I think maybe just because there isn't a crowd that that can't help if nothing else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After after the women's match, uh, actually looking back at this card, I kind of tuned out on everything except for Edge Orton, which I did tune out on because I thought it was good. <laughs> yeah, that, that shows how much you tuned out on that. And then I tuned back in for the last three. You fucking sold me on that too before I watched <laughs> it, you little bastard. So, so get into the Otis Ziggler match, which I wasn't even interested in at all. Well, there's there's actually a this is one of the few matches that has a decent storyline with it, with uh, Otis and Mandy Rose potentially linking up before Valentine's Day, and then Dolph Ziggler and Sonya Deville plotting against. Otis to hook Ziggler up with Mandy to protect everybody. And then everything got blown out of proportion and Mandy found out and Otis is pissed and led to this match at WrestleMania where Otis just kind of destroyed Dolph Ziggler for the most part. Well, it was, uh, I don't have a whole lot to say here, but the story is good and the story is still ongoing. And now Otis has his Mandy Rose and, Whatever happened to Tucker? Is he uh, Tucker's injured still, or no? No, he's still around. He's been. He's kind of. Uh, he's 
He's been Otis's wingman through this story. He's been defending Otis. He's been backing him up. You know, Dolph Ziggler has Bobby Roode, so he's had to take care of him there. Um, and then this week, I didn't watch it, but I heard about it. Uh, Tucker came out and had a great match against Dolph Ziggler, fighting stiff, looking strong. Ziggler won with a super kick. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like. Uh, I just like Otis as a character, dude. He's He is just... wrestling's Chris Farley. I just feel like it's two people that WWE doesn't want to get over the mid-mid card. Like, they're never even going to be top mid-card guys. No, no, but they got so, the they got the, the comedy edge going for them already, which is a good thing. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Then we went on to the longest fucking last man standing match in the world. <laughs> edge defeating Randy Orton. And Pasty, I did a little bit of research because I had plenty of fucking time to do it. Man wheezing, not last man standing. This is this is the second longest um, match in WrestleMania history, right after the uh, what is it, six minute and forty second uh, Iron Man match between Brett and Sean. This is the second longest match in WrestleMania history. Yeah, that's crazy. See, and at first I wanted to defend it, saying, you know, Edge has been gone for nine years. He wanted to come back and prove he could still go at that level. Yeah. No. But they definitely didn't do much going in this match. They didn't. <laughs> they should have easily cut, and, and this is being generous, yeah, 10, they, 15 minutes. 10, 15 minutes this. easily. This was pre-taped and edited, and they didn't cut out more? And like, this is the one that really, to me, stood out for the editing. There's one point, um, I didn't timestamp it, but I actually went back and showed it to my son when we were watching. And there is one point where Randy Orton is is beating up Edge and then he drags him into another section or area or room or whatever. And after he's done punching him and he's dragging him by his hair, like standing up, just walking him, he's like beat red and just... Oh, oh, oh! And then he walks through the door, and he's like pale white with, and, he, and he's more, he's more sweaty, quote unquote. And I'm like, oh my god, they fucking took a half hour break and got something to eat. Took the took a bathroom break and showered, and then came back, and he just dumped some water out. I was like, that's a that's obviously a cut. It was no way. And um, oh, first of all, Edge. Just came back. I I don't know because I haven't watching. But if this isn't his first match back, it's his, like his second or third. His, his first right? match. His first match back was the Royal Rumble, and then okay, and then so this is like his second or third. Back. Yeah. Then after yeah, that, so, it was Orton attacked him twice and put him out until WrestleMania. Back. So obviously he isn't ready for a fucking half hour match. You no. just can't be. No. And Orton, you know, Orton, he can come through when you got a big match. He can come through and give you a solid match. But again, he's. He's not somebody that's going to give you an entertaining half-hour match. Yeah. And um, I honestly don't remember a lot of this because it was just copy-paste, copy-paste, just in different settings. Pasty, do you want to address the elephant in the room this time? You mean the Benoit spot? <laughs> yes, the Benoit spot. <laughs> yeah, it was Randy Orton. They, you know, they're fighting around the Performance Center. And what does the Performance Center have? A lot of gym equipment. So they, they made their way back by the gym equipment and, and uh, went to the lat pull-downs machine where Orton shoved Edge's arm and neck into the, the belt and raised it up, trying to strangle him. Much like how we just found out on the dark side of wrestling, if you didn't know beforehand, 
Benoit killed himself after he murdered his wife and son. Yeah. Hey, shout out to Dark Side of Wrestling. Anybody who hasn't watched that, go watch mm. the New Jack one. Yep. If you don't watch any other fucking one, watch the New Jack one. Yeah, and New Jack is up on YouTube now, too. <laughs> they did both parts of that. that oh, is Benoit it on, YouTube? on YouTube? Yeah. They oh, did both really? Both parts of Benoit were on YouTube. The oh, New wow. Jack one's on YouTube. Um, there's the, the most recent one isn't there yet, but I'm assuming it might be up in a week. <laughs> cool beat. That's the Brawl for All is the newest one. Yeah, I'm not interested in watching that. Oh, you're going to want to watch that. <laughs> Other you than are the news that it. Vince originally wanted NXT to be like Brawl for All, which is No, you're, you're really going to want to watch that. But the New Jack one is, uh, you know, the Benoit one, like you said, I mean, pretty much everybody knew all of this stuff. It was cool to see the actual people react to it live, mm, but yeah. it's all just rehashed. Up. Oh, the New Jack one. I knew 50% of it, but the other, and not even stuff I didn't know, just the way New Jack, they, they literally interview New Jack mm. and how nonchalant he is with everything. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> he really just does. Yeah, that old man, he just fucking, he wasn't selling for me. I don't give a fuck. I just started stabbing the fucker. I think I stabbed him 13 times, he says. I was like, holy shit, motherfucker. Yep. You know you're on camera, right? <laughs> God damn. Uh, but we're, we're, that's, that's neither here nor there. Um, well, if we're going to talk about it, I just want to say one thing. And that's during the Benoit thing where Chris Jericho is narrating the whole thing. And then he said, after Eddie died, that was like when he stopped talking to Chris Benoit. Yeah. So then why did he narrate the whole second episode? You know, like if you had nothing to do with that, then. Oh, because it was just a talent (laughs) to do it. I mean, they just have wrestlers narrate each one. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's why I just I thought that he was, was funny. Like and that was when we stopped being friends. But I'm yeah. gonna tell you the rest <laughs> of the story next week. I love Jericho and he's super talented, but he will also do anything for a buck. Mm. And that's not a bad thing. He's a businessman at heart. You know, that's his yeah. first and foremost. He's a businessman. He'll do anything for a buck. And he I don't believe it's because Vice did the documentary. I think it's because Jericho did the narration is why they did this spot in this match. They don't want to give that to AEW. That's a that's a WWE thing. See, I'm. I honestly hope. I like to feel in my heart that Edge and Orton didn't even think about it and just kind of in the heat of the moment they seen something over there and did it and weren't thinking. Um, still, shame on the editors yeah. for keeping it Editing. in. That's that's like but the key thing here. <laughs> if if it wasn't that, if it was a pre-planned spot. Shame on the agents, shame on Vince, shame on both Edge and Orton. Like, everybody, there there was 20 people that should have threw a flag on this before it ever got to air. Yeah. So even if nobody else knew about it and it was a spur-of-the-moment thing, it easily could have been edited out. So, Other than it was, like, the one interesting thing in the match. It's a bad match. Just <laughs> Let's just say it's a bad match. Yeah, yeah. I feel bad for telling you it was good, but... It's a bad man. <laughs> I just noted like it was on and then I wasn't paying attention and then it was still on. And I'm like, holy shit, they've been going for a while. And then when I did pay attention, they were just breathing a lot on that truck. And I'm like, <laughs> okay. I know there was one point I just looked over and I, I was talking to somebody and I was like, fuck, it feels like it's been forever. It's got to be over soon. And then I looked and it was like 15 minutes left. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, next pasty, Raw Tag Team Championship, Street Profits, 
retain their titles against Angel Garza and Austin Theory. I skipped this one also. I didn't pay hardly any attention to it, even though I like the Street Profits. Uh, Austin Theory basically made his main roster debut. I'm an Austin Theory fan. I love Austin Theory. It's just, why would you? That's weird. Like, he didn't even hardly do anything on NXT. Why is he there? Other than the fact that, you know, Andrade wasn't able to be. I don't know. And then then Angel Garza and Austin Theory, their entrance is where I realized, damn, a lot of these wrestlers are are playing to an audience that's not there, and it makes their entrances look stupid as fuck. Like, they they come out and they do their normal taunts, and they're, like, taunting at the crowd that's not there. To me, you got to change your entrance for this this kind of Oh, so many people. uh, I I didn't (laughs) mention this, and I should mention this because it stood out to me. I think Shayna Baszler was the only one who who really had a real en- did the right entrance. She looked straight ahead to the ring, came in, didn't do anything. Yeah, so many people are literally like waving at the crowd and stuff like giving their hand things and it's like I I don't know if it's muscle memory, I don't know if it's Vince uh, just act like everybody's there. I don't know what it is. But it really it looks worse when you do it cuz it it really shines that there's nobody there, right? Mm. So then you got to wonder, was there ever anyone there, really? Or was it all just video editing? Did they just edit the crowds in for the last year and a half? Oh, I don't know. oh my gosh. <laughs> well, they they pipe in cheers and booze. Fuck, yeah, they, they could be just piping in fucking I people. I halfway expected that, too. That was something they were talking about coming into WrestleMania, was they might pipe in cheers and booze just to make it feel more authentic. I debated in my head whether that was right or wrong. Like a laugh track, you know, on a sitcom where mm-hmm. you know it's fake, but it adds to it. I seriously, like, oh, I think oh, I would I have accepted it. it, but it would have been terrible. I, I'm i going to shit on there being no audience and no reaction, and I would have shit if they would have done that. Either way, <laughs> I would have shit on them. I'm, yeah. I'm on it. I'm not yeah. lying about that. Right. Either It's a no-win situation in my book. Yeah. Oh, we had the five-way, let's just get some women on this card match. Bailey def- defended her championship against Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. In an okay match, I think. Yeah. Surprisingly, yes. for a five-way, just throw everybody together, nobody has a story together match. It worked. Um, You brought Tamina back, which is interesting. We I thought they would have brought Nia Jax back, but they did that on Monday. Oh, did they? Yeah, she's back. Good. I like Naya. I'm not yep. a Tamina fan. No. 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 I, is there a Tamina fan? If you, you know, are listening to this podcast are a Tamina fan, please email <laughs> us at at gmail.com. We would like to interview you. <laughs> this this match started out really sloppy and messy, but it actually, it actually settled down, and they, uh, they told stories for me you know what i mean like not not knowing what's going on here like i kind of they they led me to kind of know who was doing what um tamina the the newly brought in tamina just dominated which i think you should do on return not a fan of it because i don't like tamina and i don't need her there but i get it they had the banks and bailey's thing where it's like oh no are they gonna oh there's a miscommunication and and all that but um, Bailey and Evans um, did really good together. And then at, at the end, you kind of showed that, you know what, Sasha and Bailey, that their friendship is still going strong. 
But then after the match, at the very end, they kind of they, they did close-ups on the face, and it's like, oh shit, you're still that's still lingering over. Like, oh maybe they're not something. And then Sasha handed Bailey the title. Yeah, but they still left it open to where it's like, okay, there there could still be something here. So, well, from all accounts, what I heard is Bailey was going to pick her next opponent for Money in the Bank, and she had choices. She gave it to Sasha. So they're going into this like friends still. Uh, but we're so her so her opponent is going to be Sasha. Yeah, so we're finally oh perfect. So that could be where it breaks down. I hope so. I like that. I like that. This 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 should have been worse than it was, considering the considering to me it's just a throw. Like all the other matches, you could complain about editing fucking up the match. This match looked over choreographed. I. I would agree. I would at least agree in the first half. I think the last half really came together. I did think the first half was messy and, and sloppy and just didn't. Or maybe the maybe the last half was or over choreographed and I liked it because it went off so fluidly. I'm not sure, but I liked the last half of this match. Yeah. Uh, they gave him, they gave him damn near 20 minutes, which if you're gonna have five women in here, you better give ten, them that ten. Ten years ago, they would have gotten five minutes. You know right. what I mean? So, cool. We know it's the obligatory. Just throw a bunch of women in there to give them a, a mania spot. But I think the women made. I think the women made the best out of it that they possibly could. This is better than it should have been. I think no matter what. Yeah, yeah. Not not a, be- a best women's match on Mania weekend. No, no. You still gotta get that. Oh, oh, you mean best best one on on this weekend? Yes, that's what I was saying. Okay, not, not on, on, hey, Oh, okay. <laughs> I was going to say, um, I think, honestly, I think Flair Ripley yeah. was probably the, the best one. And I don't like saying that. Well, they did not get a, more time. And I think they told probably a better story. I, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think Flair, Flair Ripley, Rhea Ripley is not my favorite woman in NXT and Flair is not my favorite person on the main roster, but as far as the matches go, I'm going to leave my bias out of it and say those two put on the best match for the women of the night. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah, I'd say that's a fair call. It's it's hard to give that to a five woman match too. It really it really is difficult. Uh, but that's okay, folks, because we have the greatest thing of the weekend and of WrestleMania recent memories and maybe of WWE in general. The uh, no no. Not not of not the greatest thing in general of WWE, I, but I so just, awesome. I loved how it was put together and the attention to detail. And of course, guys, you you know it. We all know it. We're talking about the Firefly Firefly Funhouse. This it's not a match. You can't really. It's called a match, but it was not a match. It was a, a this is a skit segment. Yes. Yeah, it's like it's a, it's oh. Kevin Dunn, I shit on him so many times, but as head of production. He had to have his hands all over this. Uh, so fucking awesome. So beautifully done. So great. I want to know who actually like produced this. I don't I'm know. guessing Bruce Pritchard. Because he did so many of the best uh, productions back in the day. And since uh, he's full time there again, I'm going to assume this was Bruce Pritchard. You could tell Bray Wyatt and John Cena were having the time of their lives when they were doing this. Oh, like John especially Cena! Looks Cena. So happy. Oh yeah. my God! I know. <laughs> he he doesn't want to come back to WWE because he doesn't want to have to wrestle and risk injury, and this was the one way to get him back to do some Cena shit without him risking that injury. 
and it was beautiful. My favorite was when they went to the the 80s style shit when Bray's cutting the promo and John Cena's crunching the barbells. No, the, no, the, so Saturday, fucking... the Saturday, yeah. Saturday night's main event. Yeah, and they go. used the actual <laughs> opening of Saturday night's main event. Uh, oh, that was so great. I mean, we could they sit did the here whole and break Hulk it down for you like, man. like everybody on YouTube did, but uh, we're better at the disjointed. Just this shit was Well, you had Macho Macho Man Rabbit, whoever the fucking rabbit is or uh, whatever rabbit. he is. Okay, yeah, he was Macho Man. Then you had the Vince McMahon puppet, who straight up at one point said, That's This such is such good, good shit. shit. I was like, oh, snap. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. Oh, loved it so much. Um, my, my gosh. this Five stars, five stars, five stars, and an Emmy, and an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This was Just, storytelling and only smart, storytelling. It's historical. It's storytelling. It's multi-tiered fucking... It's just genius. A genius had the, segment through and through. You had the ruthless aggression, you know? When I when I seen him out there ruthless uh, with Kurt, Kurt Angle's thing. Yeah, and he's like, ruthless. And even seen it, like, he says it, and then you see it in his face. He's like, why am I saying... What am I doing? Yeah. And then they brought in the, the Doctor of Thugonomics. Oh, I see what you're doing. I can only <laughs> talk in rhyme. <laughs> the only thing I didn't like was... I got egg on my face. Well, you're going to get these nuts in your face. Well, face doesn't rhyme with face, John. <laughs> that was the worst part of the entire segment. Maybe that's because I made music. Maybe it's because I, I, I'm a human being with half a brain and I know face does not rhyme with face. Maybe, but also eggs and uh, nuts kind of work together as synonyms, yeah. so it actually works without the rhyming. Mm. So, but yeah, I mean, it was just, it was so perfect. Um, it, it brought me back to Southpaw wrestling with John Cena and how much fun he looked like he was having with the whole thing. Right. It brought me back to Southpaw real hard. And basically, um, I, I don't know how you put this into words. I, I wrote stuff down. I mean, I could read it, <laughs> but I'm not going to. The best, uh, way, actually... the best way to enjoy this match is just go watch it. <laughs> The, the last two sentences I wrote are, it was brilliant every moment of it. So yeah. that kind of sums it up. It was brilliant every moment of it. This was, yeah, the the best thing of this entire weekend was this. I hope they're okay with doing more of this. And then, um, was it this or was it the Boneyard match where they did the callback to, um, I think it was Michael Cole. It, it was one of them when they were, when they were doing something – it wasn't the uh, Firefly Funhouse, but oh, it, oh, it was like one of the first Funhouse sketches. It must have been this one because it was Funhouse. But they cut to Titus, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I don't I know what no we just saw there." Just saw. Yeah, and, and he they had cut, nothing to do with Mania at all. No, beyond that. but that was <laughs> the exact same thing they had Michael Cole say yeah. after the first Firefly Funhouse. Firefly Funhouse, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, like there's so many of these little things that." If you've been following, you catch them. And if you haven't been following, it's just enjoyable. Uh, yeah, I had Kirsten sit down and watch it the next day. I'm like, you're probably not going to understand half of this, <laughs> but you have to watch it. She loved it. But it's still good. That. Yeah, it's yeah. still fucking good. Oh, I just, I don't, I don't know. Great, 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 and great. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this, this to me made the entire weekend worthwhile. Uh, Beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. I just, I love John Cena pumping the iron and then not being able to use his arms. 
That, that made me laugh. So oh, that's right. He started doing the wobbly arms. Uh, I forgot, I I forgot for about sure, that. I thought for sure they were going to let the That's Such Good Shit With- slide on WrestleMania and then edit it out <laughs> when they put it on YouTube, and they didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. So, like, I'm, I'm just glad Vince is willing to play I didn't know that was – they put I the Firefly Funhouse on, on uh, YouTube, huh? Yep. I'm surprised they put a full WrestleMania match on YouTube. That's surprising. Yeah. I loved the uh, super fake weights, too, that he's working out with. <laughs> Pumping with so the, fucking fast. Yeah, with with the super uh, the bulged face, out yeah. veins. You got a face and shaking his head. <laughs> oh, it's so good. So fucking uh, Yeah, oh, that was just too much. And then and then for uh, uh, at the end when the fiend had had him in the the mandible claw and it played Cena's the end of Cena's promo from Raw that week when he was talking about how he was going to erase and just delete the most overrated, overused uh uh and undeserving superstar of all time. And it was instead of him talking about the fiend, it was actually him talking about himself. And then he disappeared. This is where I have to differ with you. You said you hope the boneyard match was Undertaker's last match. I hope this is Cena's last match. It it brought everything full circle, erased Cena from WWE. This is his perfect opportunity to walk away and never have to come back. And you can't do it with both. I I'm not gonna disagree with you, other than. Cena has Real- more to offer than Undertaker. Yeah, other than reality. Undertaker can't have another good live match. Yeah. Cena has, you know, plenty of good live matches left. And he legitimately has to break Ric Flair's title record. So he needs at least one more title run. Yeah. So he's at least getting a title. I, I, I don't think we should screw him out of that title run. I think he's earned it. That record-breaking 17th title run. Uh-huh. But I will never say boo if we don't see John Cena in WWE. I, I would agree. If this if this was his curtain call, I would be fine with it. it would I, I 100% beautiful would be. And brilliant and just, oh. God. I just think that as far as their actual careers go, Undertaker mm. needs to leave. Cena yeah. has a lot to offer. Yeah. But, I yeah, this either one would both be a good bowing out. If this was the end of both of theirs, I don't know why you couldn't do both of them now. You could, this WrestleMania like is so unique as it is. It's, yeah, yeah. Why not say? Why not look back on this and be like, "Oh, it was the last time we ever seen Cena or Undertaker in a WWE ring." Yeah. I just think if Undertaker is going to be done, he should have been the one to get buried. Yeah, he doesn't go out like that. That's not the. That's not the, his style. I get it. I get it. So we uh, we can uh, not talk about the rest of the show. <laughs> um. You don't want to talk about the last match? <laughs> I mean, we already talked about Goldberg and and Braun Strowman, and this was copy paste, basically. Oh my gosh, With I, twice disagree as much time. <laughs> I disagree one hundred percent. I disagree one hundred percent. I absolutely love this match. Okay, I, I guess I wasn't really paying attention because we all knew how it was going to end, and this one did. To me, to me, this. This one I didn't think. I definitely did not see this one ending this way. I wanted it to. But I most definitely did not see Brock losing at WrestleMania to Drew McIntyre, who I thought they'd completely given up on. I hadn't, but I thought they had. I felt like they told the story of, even for somebody who doesn't watch a lot of wrestling, it's perfect for Lesnar because I know his story because he's not on much. To me, the story was Lesnar gets frustrated, loses his focus, leaves an opening, and they can take advantage of it. That's how Seth beat him. That's how Roman Reigns beat him, and that's how Drew ended up beating him here. Um, As the this quote, to me, the quote handicap of not having any fans around has shown us, 
I think it's that the veterans know how to use storytelling to sell a match. And to me, even with only a few minutes of actual in-ring time, less minutes than actually was given, even the 435, which was not a lot of in-ring time, Yeah, I thought these two told a story that they intended to, ending with the only result I personally wanted and didn't think I was going to get. <laughs> and even though I'm not, I'm not going to go back to watching Raw anytime soon or nothing, I feel like Drew Galloway now is a representative of Raw as the undisputed face of the brand, and I can hope, cross my fingers, and want to watch WWE again by thinking possibly usher in a new sorely needed era in the process of all this. Like, I think so. I guess I marked out for this. I, I, I looked at it a little different. I thought this was fun. The one thing that got me was when Drew McIntyre turned things around on Brock. Paul Heyman's standing there at ringside, and he's not, like, reacting in shock at all. I thought Heyman was going to turn on Lesnar there. Oh, that would have been cool. That would have been. Go join Drew. Yeah. Cause, Drew cause could use a mouthpiece. Yeah, and he's been talking up Drew coming into this. How Drew is one of his favorites and shit. Like, not even on the show, but, like, in, in Actually, and stuff. I, you mentioned that, so I'm just going to mention the... Uh, the one thing and not get into the whole, there's a whole article about this that actually goes into great detail and has actual facts, Yeah. but I'm just going to mention the one thing. Actually, Paul Heyman has talked up every um, competitor that would face Brock Lesnar for the title as if they're a huge big deal, except for the one African American that went after him where he talked about how worthless he was. Yeah. That is a thing, huh? Not going to go any farther than that. I'm just going to leave it at that. That that legitimately is, and I looked back on it, it's like, yep, every promo for everybody that Brock was facing, he talked about how great they were, but that Brock was still, I mean, he always said that Brock was going to overcome. Yeah. But Kofi Kingston, nope, worthless, stupid, could never win, don't care about him, nothing. It's like, wow, that's, Uh, I don't know if that was on purpose, but once you notice it, it's hard to not see. Yep. Um, I, I like this, though. I don't think anybody was disappointed with the outcome. No. Right? No, or very just, few. You know, two two WWE main championship matches in WrestleMania, and they're both fought by men who don't have more than two moves in their arsenal. It's just... And, and they're both and you don't even get mere to see minutes. The full, yeah, and you don't get to see the full breadth of their yeah. arsenal, even if it is just a few moves. I would agree. I just, we didn't. We didn't we want to see Braun... We shit on John Cena for four moves of doom, and, like, these guys have half of that. Why is this acceptable? Yeah, nobody wanted I to say. see Goldberg Braun for 10 minutes, but I'd watch Drew McIntyre Brock for 15. Yeah. Those two can both put on a 15-minute yeah. match. See, and that's I expected this match to be so much more than what Strowman Goldberg was, and to me it kind of played out the same way. And they they can't say they Other were running McIntyre out of time because of fucking... At at, right? Now, yeah, that that's was That's something awesome. only The Fiend would do. You know, I, I did not expect that, yeah. and I kind of marked when I seen that, but... um. But yeah, they can't say it was because of, uh, you know, they were running short on time because it's fucking edited. <laughs> right. Take so some that's... minutes away from Edge and Randy Orton. Be easy to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we have to mention what uh, most people haven't talked about when going over WrestleMania, Pasty. For some reason, this is the first WrestleMania that had a dark match at the end. Not a pre-show match. A dark match. This happens. Well, you can't very have a dark often. match in front of zero audience. Who, who's, who's it for? Well, they just shut the lights off. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I 
I don't fucking know. Well, um, what but, I heard, this took place on Raw the next night, but... This might have been taped for Raw. Yeah. It happened that night. Yeah. Um, Drew McIntyre took on Big Show and beat him at 6.55. Yep. And guess I don't what? Know. Big Show came out, cut a babyface promo, and then turned heel on Drew McIntyre. <laughs> He I, at this point I think his gimmick is switching gimmicks like or switching heel face heel like I think that's just what his gimmick is now. <laughs> well, now his gimmick is is being in a Boy Meets World esque family sitcom on Netflix called The Big Show Show. Have you watched any of that no, yet? No, I haven't yet. I want to sit I down with my either. kids and watch it because I think they'd like it more than I would. But right. I saw I saw Mick Foley's in it, and there's a couple other wrestlers I can't. Name. Oh, because Mick Foley's last TV show was a fucking hoot. <laughs> I didn't watch that one. Oh, I did. <laughs> Holy Foley. Yeah, that was bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't. I, I know that he has a show and I haven't watched it. Just again, because there's just not enough time to watch the stuff I'm already watching. It's hard to start new stuff. It's really difficult to start new stuff. Yeah. I don't think people realize how hard it is to. People don't realize. With that being said, uh, Pasty, Night 2, I gave a solid B-. minus. It was obviously better than Night 1. Yeah. Which is thankfully. Um, which makes me think they could have just done Night 2 or, or did a hodgepodge of both of them and took the best of each. They could have. But, but I think they really, when they decided that this was going to be, oh, my God, my computer is listening to me talk this right now, and it's placing it on my screen like I'm searching for something. I did not ask for you to search the Internet for me by voice computer. We love it. Get out of here, Cortana. It's your, it's your tax dollars at work, <laughs> Fry Man. Uh, no, um, what was I saying? Uh, we were just talking about... Um, the two nights. Just oh, yeah. I un- think, I unnecessary. Think once they split it into two nights due to... Because you know they've wanted to do this for a while. I think going forward... Yeah, this had nothing to do with a COVID. Yeah, yeah, this had nothing to do with the COVID. They had, already, they had already committed to this before that. Yeah. So it'll be a two-night thing going forward, and I think, I think it was definitely easier to watch two three-hour shows than one seven-hour show. I dis again. I disagree. I think with the network, like with the network, a lot of times, a lot of the pay per views I just watch in three fucking settings. Like well, they're all however many nights, nights Friday, you want. Saturday them. and Sunday. Or why don't you just give it to us all and we just we determine what we want? Why can't? Why aren't we allowed to determine what we want to watch? Why don't we have that choice? Right. Like, is that that difficult? I think it's. I think after. Obviously, this is a fluke. Nobody could have predicted this, but I'm hoping after they see how shitty this went that they go back to just one night. They're not going to go back. They're not going to stop doing the six, seven-hour thing. I get it. But you're not going to get – I don't think you're going to get the same amount of people buying tickets for two nights as you would for one night. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know, but I just – I don't it's very it. easy to say that half of these matches were not WrestleMania worthy. Probably more. Oh, than easily, half. easily half. Let's see if I. What do you call a res? If we're doing a a, a grading system, because I have mine graded A through F. If we're talking um, the B's and higher, I got one, two, three, four, five. Lynch Baszler. Six, good. seven, eight, nine. The three-way ladder match. Nine I out think. of fourteen. Yeah. 
if if we're calling any B and higher a WrestleMania match, B is pretty still low. If you're talking A's and higher, I got one, two, three, four, five. I'm surprised you got that many. That's amazing. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm used to being the guy pulling for WWE. This is just it's bizarre world right now. Uh, I, I know, right? Tonight a B minus. I'm gonna give it a B plus. We'll average it out at a B. All right, so we average that out at a B. We average the other one out at a C. So that gives us a C plus overall. Yeah. Uh, B, B, let's give a B minus. Let's give them a curve because everything was so shitty. Fair enough. Let's give them the upper curve as a B minus. Yeah. So we'll give the full show a B minus. Still a lower grade than you want for your Dagon WrestleMania. It's an S rank, though. <laughs> S it, baby. S it. It does. It does. 100%. It, uh, it, it it's so good rank. for anybody who's any kind of a wrestling fan. That's what makes me happy. Like that, They played with that one segment. 13 minutes played to everybody across the board. Why can't the whole product be like that? Um, I would love it. Well... I mean, it would then have you'd to be have, then you'd have, and things that are tangible and not just... Well, no, then, then you would literally have Lucha Underground, and that went out of business. So I guess it well, doesn't work. Well, it's the perfect work. time to fill those shoes, then. <laughs> I, I would agree. I'm okay with that. Do we have a... Um, I, I know what my pick is. For both nights, do we have a pick of the best uh, quote-unquote match of the night? We're talking overall or one for each night? No, no, like overall for the whole okay. weekend. We have one... I know what mine is. I'll Firefly let you go first. Firefly Fun Yeah, easily. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sounds good. It's sad to say because it wasn't even a match. That's what pisses me off. Like, it's the best match on WrestleMania, and it wasn't a fucking match at all. <laughs> uh. Yeah, but it was still the it was the best thing they put out, right? Yes, by far. So yeah, uh, that was WrestleMania. Now we're gonna be breaking into this week's Petite Gordita, the Savage Sentinel, which only consists of a couple of stories that I threw together right before we got together, because that's the outstanding journalism you can expect from Beef Sticks Podcast. Woo! Yeah, we like it. Well, today. WWE confirmed a non-competitive on-screen talent had contracted and recovered from COVID-19. This was reported by both Fightful and Pro Wrestling Sheet and later confirmed in a statement on WWE.com that stated a WWE employee has tested positive for COVID-19. We believe this matter is low risk to WWE talent and staff. The individual and a roommate became symptomatic in the days following exposure to two people working in acute health care on the evening of March 26th after WWE's TV production on a closed set was already complete. The employee had no contact with anyone from WWE since being exposed to those two individuals is doing well and made a complete recovery. Fightful is also reporting the following memo was distributed to WWE employees. We have just been notified that name redacted was diagnosed with COVID-19. WWE doctors spoke with Redacted this morning and reported they had last last had contact with anyone at WWE on March 26th at the Performance Center. As you know, Redacted is not an in-ring performer, and we believe that this matter is low risk to you per the following chronology. 
Now, the name of the person was published in the memo with their permission, but has been redacted in the report by Fightful, however. I thought it would be funny if they redacted it when they sent it out to people. So so you're probably safe, but we're not going to tell you. <laughs> I think it's going to be uh, great when redacted wins the championship from vacant. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that, see... that, there's a WrestleMania match. Vacant versus redacted. Book it. <laughs> Invisible men in an empty arena. That'd be great. Uh, to those of you who are potentially exposed would be cleared for travel by the evening of Thursday, April 9th at the latest. Since the last possible exposure to any WWE talent personnel should have been at least 14 days prior. So that was the end of the memo. Yeah. <laughs> Even with this news, though, it would seem WWE is charging headlong back into live shows for Raw, SmackDown, and NXT from the WWE Performance Center starting on Monday. Horrible, dumb idea, yeah, bad idea. Stupid. We don't need it. We don't want it. Stupid. Why do they think we care if it's live or not? Like that—that's a Vinceism right there. Yeah. None. Nobody at home cares at this. If there's not a live audience, nobody at home cares if it's live or pre-taped. Yeah. That's just Vince saying, "God damn it, we're live programming. We gotta be live." <laughs> well, why do we gotta be live, Vince? Cause anything can happen. <laughs> Motherfucker, anything can happen now. We could get right. fucking COVID doing tape <laughs> shit, you dumb fucker. But that's such good shit. Uh, right, WWE.com. I'm, I'm taking your lunch menu, Vince. What do you want? Chocolate titties. All right, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, they, they should sell that Vince puppet. I would buy one in a heartbeat. I love the devil. Vince it's puppet. such good shit. It is such good shit. What else is such good shit, Fat Mac? Well, some of the best shit to happen for uh, at least uh, the Revival, Tag Team fans, and probably, obviously, AEW, (laughs) hopefully as long as they don't go to the Dark Order, is uh, Tag Team Wrestling is getting a new free agent as of Friday when WWE finally did the right thing and released the Revival from their contractual obligations. WWE backstage reporter and pro wrestling sheet owner Ryan Satin noted that the revival is not under a non-compete clause. That's because WWE allowed them their release and WWE uh, are, and are currently free to wrestle for any promotion that they'd like on Twitter. The duo changed their names with Scott Dawson becoming Dax Hardwood. I feel like, um, Saxton Hard or uh, Saxton Hardcastle could team with him. Yeah. And Dash Wilder becoming Cash Wheeler. Yes. And which Harwood is a and uh, Wheeler are their legit shoot last names. Yes, but still sounds like a cheap uh, well, uh 80s cop show. They are great last names. Harwood Wheeler. Get in here now. God damn it, I told you to do it by the book. <laughs> now I got I streaming down my back. What do you think? I'm on these heart medications. I'm going to have a heart attack any time. My God damn, I'm taking Tums like it's something. What do you got to do? You guys got to figure this out. <laughs> your wild cards, both of you. Hardwood and Wheeler. <laughs> <laughs> Let me see your shields and your guns. Uh, oh, coming to NBC this fall, Hardwood and Wheeler. I'd watch it. It <laughs> it's great. I love it. Um, no, this this is great for them because this is what they've wanted for quite a long time. I hope this is good for AEW. Um, 
I hope this translates into WWE releasing more talent in these troubling times because they need to save some money too. They can't afford who they've got. No, no they can't. I've, I've read a report recently about, you know, how they'd been stockpiling all these people and now with uh, all this shit going down, they, I mean, they literally lost, they lost over a billion in WrestleMania this year. Just, mm. just in WrestleMania lost over a billion. So all of these contracts that they have, they're not going to be able to honor. Yeah. And that's uh, that's sad for WWE, but but hopefully, because there's so many people that are just getting paid to not do anything, and hopefully they can. Uh, we want them to have paychecks, but we also want them to be our artistically satisfied. And I know there's a gray area there. Huh. Um, also, there is some genius in WWE releasing them right now amidst this COVID panic, and that is anything could happen going forward. And if this lasts too long. It could put AEW under. Well, and I mean, just look at Brody Lee. He came back. They they debuted him in front of no audience, and nobody cared. <laughs> you know, it's like I like that his character okay. is like a, a portrayal of Vince McMahon. To me, that's funny. Uh, how he like yeah, mate was eating steak with the Dark Order. And he, he made them sit and watch him eat the steak. And then one guy sneezed and he freaked out on him for it. Like, oh, that, that's, that's kind of cool. cool. Well, I guess it's kind of cool. It's very unbrody Lee. No, it's very Vince but, McMahon. But that, I think that's the point is to, for him yeah. to shit on Vince, which is the cool thing to do when you leave and go to AEW. It's really the worst thing to do for AEW. And it's the thing they need I mean, to stop doing. It seems to me like Vince appreciates it because he allowed the, that such good shit line to happen in the Firefly Funhouse match. He's okay with he knows, the meme. Vince knows how to make money off of yeah. stuff. That's one thing he has. I, I'd say that's one thing he has over AEW. Obviously, the cons know how to make money. I don't know that they know how to make money off of the wrestling business like Vince does. But um, it, I I don't know. Like you said, this is gonna this is the worst time for Vince in the XFL. But this is the worst time for AEW because they started a brand new business and now everything's going to shit. Yeah. They started a live business when you can't do anything live. Same thing with the XFL. They started a live business when you can't do anything live. It's gonna hurt both of these companies. Yeah. Are both companies going to exist next year? One hundred percent. But how much is this going to affect them going forward? And at least the XFL, you know, they pulled the plug. I know WWE hasn't yet, but the XFL was smart and pulled the plug. Yeah. I really wish AEW would just pull the plug, sit out the rest, you know, sit out until the fall schedule. Fall is is when you do all of your um, premieres. Mm -hmm. Sit out until the fall schedule and drop a really big pay-per-view to start it out. All you got to do is drop the shit online. A, you know, a chunk of your fans are online people. Drop your matches online. Do a pay-per-view and then go back into doing weekly televised stuff because they're hurting their product doing live program or even pre-tape programming in front, in front of no audience. Yeah. Nobody – people watch WWE because they're accustomed to it. It's part of their schedule. AEW is not part of anybody's schedule yet. I can't imagine – I mean, they're they're. I mean, I I've seen the ratings. They're dropping ratings like crazy, like, and they're not an established brand yet. I I think 
the cons know more about business than I do, but if it was me, I would just hold off. Yeah, it would be real leery right now. The only saving grace is that they did just get re-signed for three more years with TNT. But, I mean, amidst this, I think that could change still, too. Well, even if you, if, if you know you're signed for three more years, take the break. Yeah. If it's a contract, you're not out the money. Yeah, and they still have being the elite, so they can still, like, build story sort of. Well, for sure. They got being the elite. They got Nightmare Collective or whatever it's called. Yeah. Or Nightmare. I don't Nightmare know what family. it's called. Sure. Yeah, and you and they got the the AEW you know YouTube page. Yeah, they got stuff they can do. They could even you know do little vignettes that they could have TNT or TV. Yeah, TNT air like as commercials and mm-hmm. keep them in there, keep them out there. It's just I don't know that this is how you want to build your brand as as I don't I don't know. The whole world's changed around me even though my world is the exact same. So it's weird when I look at everything different. I look at it different. I'm like, this just isn't right. At the same time, does it really matter? Because even when there were crowds, it would be people in the crowd taking pictures of the other half of the arena saying, oh, look how empty it is. Now there's just no crowd on that half of the arena. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So what's the difference really? Yeah. Wrestling fans are the worst. wrestling, but at the same point, like, we kind of we get a break, and this is one point where we didn't think we'd have any kind of a break, and it's sort of nice to be able to reconnect with some other things. And there's good wrestling out now. Yes, you know, long long before the COVID, I wasn't watching WWE or AEW because they were both so predictable and repetitive, and I was watching NWA, MLW, and Impact. And it's like now I'm still watching NWA, MLW, and Impact, hmm. and the people who were watching WWE and AEW are sitting here like, oh crap it's really not as good as i thought it was <laughs> and i'm sitting here like yeah i'm still watching the same shit i was watching uh-huh. <laughs> i i just recommend that to any wrestling fans there's so much good wrestling out there we we, we preach that all the time but uh-huh. now more than ever there's good wrestling out there that's been pre-taped that has live audiences that you can immerse yourself in that you can enjoy that For you can have the next fun three to six months until their library runs out well, I mean, most most places by the end of this month, beginning of next month, they're all going back up and running. I know most of the uh, businesses in town next week are opening back up, at least Thanks. in my town. Like, Well, that's because us here in this Minnesota is almost are over. very reasonable, and we've done a great job at mitigating, especially if you look over at our neighbors, Wisconsin. You know, the numbers are like twice as bad over there as they are here. <laughs> yeah. We're good at Com- common there. sense. Yeah. It's all common sense. Just, yep. just act human. One of the few times I'm glad I live in the state I live in. That's that's what I got to say about that. I actually, I, I sadly agree with that statement. This the Midwest has really. You look at you look at uh, New York. You look at Florida. You look mm-hmm. at some of those places that are just devastated, and you're like, yeah, the Midwest is decent right now. Yep. That's the thing, too, because the Midwest could easily be like, oh, well, the coastal states are going to be the ones that get fucked because that's where all the national travel comes from and goes to. So the, the Midwest could continue to just struggle on like it's normal, but for the fact of the mitigation, it's good. I mean, it it's is. Still, it's still insane, and I still don't – it's hard for me to wrap my head day-to-day basis on exactly what's happening everywhere. But uh, I just – you know what? 
if all you watch is streaming, you don't even have to fucking worry about it because I never watch the news. There I never see go. any commercials. I never deal with any of the shit. See, I'm, a, I'm, I'm big into watching YouTube. A lot of my content that I digest is YouTube. Well, I watch YouTube too, you but none of that has anything to oh, do with COVID. I don't Zero. know. I watch, I, I, I keep up with the news on YouTube. So That's your problem. <laughs> Turn it it's off, okay, buddy. Though. It's okay, though, because I, I, I'm not one to panic, and I am one who likes to get all the sides of the, the sources, you know? So I know what I'm dealing with rather than just getting half a story. I'll watch Fox. I'll watch CNN. I'll watch NBC. I'll watch ABC. Uh, I'll watch BBC. Go. I'll watch some weird shit that's just as talking about what's going on in China. You know, As long as you're comfortable with it, that's good. It's, it's these people that sit down and watch the news all day and, and just dread themselves to death. That yeah, it's just no. like, get away from it. You're, you are not... The person listening to this podcast, the person sitting at home watching TV, the person going to Walmart getting anything including toilet paper you are not going to get covid-19 right that's you're not going just to don't that's walk just, around that's not how it fucking works okay yeah that's just not how it fucking works it's like when the aids came out and everybody freaked out and thought as soon as you sit on a toilet seat you get aids it's not how it works <laughs> if you just live your life like you're normally did do you you'll think never they actually get thought it. that or do you think they were just using that as the excuse for why they had it <laughs> Tomato, tomato. <laughs> Is it any different now? No. I mean, they're lit. Yeah, let's just, I, I don't want to get, polit- I don't like being political <laughs> on here. So we'll just end it at this. Um, WrestleMania, I, I'm i going to say disappointing, but I don't know. Nobody knew what to expect, so I what can't say that I'm disappointed. disappointing without a little COVID-19? Possibly. <laughs> I don't think a lot of these matches would have stood up with a crowd. If if everything would have been the way it was stated out in the first place and things didn't get shuffled around, maybe. But this card with a crowd, I, I don't can, think it could have been saved. Much I can more. tell you this, though, Pasty. We would not have gotten the Boneyard or the Firefly no. Funhouse without COVID. No. So, hello. Yes. Uh, with that uh, being said, Pasty, uh, everybody stay safe. Take care of yourselves and your loved ones. I'm Fat Mac. I'm Pasty. And we'll see your ass next week. Hopefully. Woo! If there's there's anything to talk about. Yeah, maybe not. We'll see.